Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, negative inspiration for a bigger, badder, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance and a fancy SVP title, I left corporate America to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of my own media company, my goal is to change the world for my daughter and her friends. My first book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, dropped late 2018 and is based on what women wish they would have known when they were girls. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a safe place for us to share our gold and our dreams for the future. We record every week from the sound studio at The Space LV. Ava Johanna believes wellness tools should be available to everyone. Originally a selfish journey, she realized that access to mindfulness, whole and healthy foods, yoga and meditation were privileges that she'd like to make more accessible through her platform and advocacy. We talked about consumer activism and how information and access is everything. Ava is a celebrity meditation and movement instructor, host of the Alchemized Life podcast, and content creator based out of Los Angeles, California. Whether on the podcast or on the mat, Ava works with individuals to activate their soul's purpose, create powerful daily routines, and elevate every area of their life simply by adjusting their mindset through movement and fully embodying the energy of empowerment and confidence. She has been featured on major wellness publications such as Mind Body Green, Wanderlust 35 Under 35, Life and Style Magazine, and Yoga Journal. We dig into identity, mental models, and helpful practices that you can incorporate into your own life. Ava also shares tips for beginning a breathwork practice. Let's dig in. I'm so excited to have on with me today, Ava Johanna from podcast, The Alchemized Life. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. It's truly such an honor. Oh, thank you. I am. So I'm stalking your Instagram right now. I'm so in love with what you are about and what you're doing. And I wanted to have you on because I just, first of all, this there's just this piece that radiates off of your Instagram. And I was listening to some of your podcasts and I was just like, yes, this is a person who has taken wellness as a lifestyle and wants to help other live like the best life that they possibly can, which is all I'm I'm completely about in all manner of ways. And I was curious from from your story, could you tell me how you decided to come to this this life to teach yoga, meditation, breath work, to get involved in in helping others find wellness as well? Yeah, you know, it definitely was in its precipice a selfish journey, which I think a lot of us can probably resonate with. You know, I was just doing things for myself and wanted to feel good in my own life and throughout my time of, um, you know, experiencing and trying all these different practices, whether it be yoga, breathwork, meditation, something clicked inside of me that um, first was, oh, people in the corporate space need this. Mm -hmm. Like that's, I would have been so much happier if when I worked my corporate job, I had someone teaching me meditation or teaching me yoga and breathwork. And then from there, it just continued to evolve to no, not only people in the corporate space need this, but everyone needs this. Everyone deserves access to these tools. And while it may look different depending on your location or how much um, money you have, there are ways in which to integrate wellness into your life. It doesn't mean you have to wear Lululemon, mm-hmm. but it, there are so many free 
accessible, easy ways that can take just five minutes a day to make your life better and to live truly well. And so as I was going along this journey of my own practice, I just realized, you know, like this, it is such a privilege for me to be, you know, growing up in Southern California, a white woman, um, not having a lot of barriers in my way as far as being able to experience all these different practices. But there are so many other people in the world that don't have access to Whole Foods, don't have access to nice yoga studios. So how can I bridge the gap for them and make wellness fun and accessible and not something that's so serious? So it was definitely a selfish journey in the beginning of what can I do to make myself feel better? Mm -hmm. Um, But as it grew and evolved, I realized that it was so much bigger than that. And I think that's what's so cool about it is that like at the beginning, to be honest, all I wanted was like a free pair of yoga pants. Like I thought that (laughs) that was a win if I was going to get a free pair of yoga pants off of Instagram. And then it just evolved from there. And, you know, I was thinking about just this week in general, how many opportunities like coming on your podcast or working with brands that I've been vying after for years. I just feel so lucky. And I know that it's because I've just continued to follow the things that feel good. I love that. I was actually having a conversation with myself this morning. Um, where it's, it's kind of that reminder, like, why am I doing this? What's my purpose? What's my why? And sometimes it starts off like, that seems like fun and shiny and what have you. And then all of a sudden you realize that, you know, there's there's a deeper, grander purpose in, in it. And especially like when you get messages for, from people or I'm sure for you, if, if someone comes to a class and you know that you're effective um, in, in helping them kind of come to wellness or come to a better understanding of self. I'm curious, you said that you had a corporate job and I remember listening to one of your podcasts. I think you left in, is it 2016 you left corporate America? Is that right? Ooh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. What was the transition? Was it kind of like, was this your, like your side hustle and then you decided to make it your full-time thing or was it, um, like me, I left corporate America earlier this year and it was literally like, I have been grieving and changing my life, making this huge transformational pivot because I, I needed to for me. Yeah. Um, well, congratulations for leaving your corporate job. I just want to recognize what a big deal that is Mm. because so many people have that as their desire and their goal and to actually take the steps and do it is a pretty big deal. So congratulations on that. Um, so for me, I have always been a hustler. I don't know how much you know about my background story or how much your listeners know, but when I was 16 years old, my stepdad and my mom separated. Um, we, my mom and I, were evicted from multiple homes. Our car was repossessed on the weekends. She would go to the church and collect food and we were on food stamps. Um, and it was really, really, really tough. And that entire experience, um, you know, again, growing up in Southern California, I went to school in Agora, which is next door neighbors to the Kardashians in Calabasas. Um, it, it was hard because I saw so much around me and felt like I had so little. Um, And it instilled this belief in me that I would be happy when I had a certain amount of money in my bank account. Mm -hmm. And so I hustled for years and years and years throughout my um, late teens and early 20s until I got to the point where I was incredibly burnt out from work. I was working 10 to 12 hour days. I developed chronic migraines. So every other, it was like clockwork on Mondays, I would wake up with a 
terrible, terrible migraine that would last anywhere from 48 to 72 hours. I felt immense guilt because I wasn't even able to properly do my job. Um, and you know, with migraines, a lot of people that don't have them, especially like your bosses are like, Oh, it's just another headache. And so I felt, I felt bad, but I, at a certain point throughout all of this burnout had this came to this conclusion that, Oh my God, I'm making the money that I said would be enough for me to feel happy, feel safe, feel secure. And I don't feel those things still. In fact, I actually feel a lot worse because I can't connect with people because I'm so tired and so stressed out. And I would get off of work and cry my eyes out in my um, now husband's car. And I just felt so disconnected from myself and from everyone around me. And Ultimately, I am so grateful for uh, ClassPass because ClassPass is where I first started taking yoga classes. Um, I don't work with them, but shout out to ClassPass. <laughs> <laughs> but I found and I found that my what I like to call my home studio, uh, my home base, because it was right down the street from my home in San Diego, and I fell in love with the practice there. And I remember in class in Shavasana, being covered in sweat, realizing, oh my God, I want to make people feel this good. And so from that point on, it was, okay, well, how do I start to transition out of the corporate space so I can make wellness more of my lifestyle? Um, I did my yoga teacher training. I ended up quitting my job, moving to South America with my husband for a few months. And while I was there, um, my corporate jobs were always in marketing. So I freelanced and I found different wellness companies that I was really inspired by and would manage their social media. I would do graphic design for them. I'd help them with their websites. I'd write blogs. And so I really just looked at like, how can I start to take these skills that I already have from years of being in the corporate space and now apply it to something that is more aligned with the things that I'm really passionate about. And so that was a, you know, two and a half year journey of freelancing and slowly starting to phase that out as I had more creative ideas come in on ways I could be my own boss and not have to work for anyone else. Um, I think at a certain point for those that have ever been, you know, social media managers, we get to a point where we're like, wait, we're doing this for other people. Why can't we just do this for ourselves? And so I really got to that point and that's when I started building my Instagram, um, writing on my blog, writing for different publications in the wellness space and ultimately creating the podcast. Um, and you know, it's been small steps along the way. I never really had like back when I started, I wasn't thinking, Oh, three years from now, I'm going to start a podcast. It was little chipping away at, again, coming back to those things that I'm passionate about and then uncovering that next step as I was going. So it took definitely a lot of trust mm -hmm. to make it to where I am today. But, you know, I'm grateful that I continued to put one foot in front of the other and eventually got out of my corporate job because I knew it wasn't serving me and was ultimately a big part of why a lot of my relationships and, you know, the chronic ailments that I had were so predominant in my life at that time. Yeah, I had a similar kind of situation. I was hooked up to an EKG about two years ago. Wow. And it was like in that moment and the, the doctor asked me, he's like, what's going on with you? Because your heart's fine. Um, what you're having is severe anxiety. And I had also suffered from debilitating migraines where they almost thought I was having a stroke and I couldn't speak. And um, it was in those moments that I was like, this is not – who I am or who I want to be. I had great security. I had a beautiful job and a beautiful title. But it was in those those 
terrible moments where you're like, I'm not taking care of myself. And he said, what do you, what are you missing? What do you normally do for stress? And I said, well, I, I've kind of let my yoga practice and my meditation go because I've been so busy. And he's like, you need to go back to them right now. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of that, that pivot away from, you know, you have to be in the grind. You always have to be working. You have to be doing this, this, and that to be like, okay, that has to be part of my life now. And, and a daily practice and lifestyle. And then once you start to see the benefits of it, it's almost like you become this like preacher. <laughs> You're like, everyone has to do this. This is amazing. Um, yeah. And I've managed my anxiety through through all of those practices. And I think it's just such a beautiful thing that when you get to those moments where you're kind of, you know, broken open to some ex- extent, um, you have a tendency to get really creative with how you're going to transition and make money. And I think that that's also been a very interesting path. And I appreciate what you said about learning. You know, I can freelance for a while and I can move these things and I can shift to where I'm taking care of myself. And I've gotten to the point where I'm like, I could never work for anyone else again. You know, oh, I've 100%. Yeah, I've gotten <laughs> to a place where I'm like, wow, like this is now the way I want to live my life where I have more control over my destiny. And you also recognize sometimes in some of those corporate frameworks, there's almost an identity that you plug into that tells you that you're not producing or you need to do more you need to you know so there's kind of a lack mentality that sits within there because they're trying to get you to produce where I think um coming to that place one of the things I want to ask you and I've seen on your Instagram and we talked a little bit about it before we got started but um you talked about trust right and I've I've heard you um mention unbreakable confidence because all of these transitions and all of these things require a trust in self some semblance of faith, of course, and confidence. And sometimes you feel kind of knocked down when you're in a period of transition and you are looking for your confidence and you're looking sometimes for validation outside of self. What would you recommend to people who are kind of having these transitional periods within their life or trying to figure out how to incorporate better ways of living um, who haven't yet found that steady ground? Well, I think that it's important to know in any transition, at least a semblance of where you want to go. And so that doesn't necessarily mean you, again, like I said, like I didn't know that I wanted to start a podcast, Mm -hmm. Um, but at least have an idea of how you want to feel. So if you are in a position where you, you know, are suffering from crippling anxiety, you're in a job that you are so dispassionate about unpassionate um when when you're just in a place where you're just completely unhappy okay good recognize that but now ask yourself well what is it that I truly want to feel like it and you don't have to think about like actual tangible steps to take like tangible stole tangible goals but I want you to think about the tangible feelings that if you if this were to come to fruition how would you feel Mm. so I read this book and it's called The Code of the Extraordinary Mind by Vishen Lakhni and he talks about ends goals versus means goals and means goals are essentially those goals like, oh, I want to start a podcast or I want to teach for XYZ. Um, Instead of looking at that, it's like, okay, well, what does that mean if you were to get that? And like digging down and peeling back the layers until you get to the ends goals, which is I want to feel secure. Mm. I want to have community. I want to feel safe. Um, I want to feel deep levels of love and connection. And so once you have an idea of what those emotional goals are, then it makes it really, really easy for you to discern when things come up. Is that going to get me closer to my mountain or is that another distraction? And 
when we are able to kind of create that internal compass, I strongly believe that it turns on this filter in our brain. So when opportunities come up, when experiences come up, when someone asks us even something as simple as, hey, do you want to take a weekend trip here? Hey, do you want to go to this event with me? Um, We know whether that's going to serve us or not. And I think that's really the first step is understanding and outlining how you want to feel. And then from there, it becomes a little bit more clear that things may be in alignment with that feeling or things might not be in alignment with that feeling. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think there's that trust in self. Like when, as you were talking, I was listening like deeply to the underlying message and it's really learning how to figure out that fundamental, what do I want, right? What's my core, what do I want to feel, core characters and values, right? Security is an interesting word for me specifically because that's very important to me. I grew up in a very violent neighborhood and I didn't realize how that had carried with me through life and I needed to achieve and I needed to feel secure because I didn't want to feel the way I did as a child, right? And then as you get older, the word security takes with it sometimes some negative connotation and I've had to learn, oh, that's right. It's okay for me to speak the word security and say, I need to feel secure because that doesn't necessarily need to be, need to be, you know, all this money or, um, you know, a, a alarm system or a dog. It's a feeling and you kind of have to, I think, pull away some of the negative connotation of um, some of our core desires and values we also have society that's told us sometimes like it's not okay to want or be materialistic or some of these things it's okay to sit within that and be like hey I want to have enough money to be comfortable I want to have um I want to have safety I want to have all of these things I think you can get to that place rather than looking at like oh if I write a book or have a podcast or have this many followers on Instagram, that means that I've achieved some level of success and that's someone else's barometer, right? That's not the barometer of of self. So that resonates very deeply with me and it's one of the things that I always share with people that listen or if I'm speaking, like you have to make a commitment to self to understand self and understand what drives you and what things you need in life to feel grounded and secure first. Um, I think that's just... It's so deep within us, but we've um, almost divorced it because we've been raised to believe we achievement looks like X, right? And um, security and safety and all of these things look like X. So yeah, absolutely. It resonates with me deeply. I, I, I wish more people would sit down with themselves and spend time trying to understand what it is that really drives them. Absolutely. And, you know, just to add to that, if you are in a place where you your hierarchy of needs is not being met, like you don't have a roof over your head or you are stressing about being able to put gas in your car or put food on your table, of course, you're not going to feel secure. Of course, that's going to be your priority over, you know, going and doing some self-care ritual that you see on Instagram. So I think that there's that balance that needs to be had, too, of like, look, that's a real thing. Mm hmm needing to be able to take care of your needs is a real thing before you can start to do this deeper work because you're not going to be able to be in it. You're not going to be able to hold space for yourself if you can't even put food on your table. And so I think that that's one of the things with Instagram and with social media is that we think we need to be doing all of these things. But ultimately, 
the reality of it is we do need to take care of ourselves first. We need to take care of our families first, and then we can start to do this deep, juicy work and elevate ourselves and, you know, go after everything that we desire. But it's a real, real thing that there's a lot of privilege when it comes to, you know, these self-care rituals, and we need to take a step back and make sure that we are able to take care of ourselves. And like growing up in a violent area, um, you know, of course that's going to create a belief of needing to feel secure for you. Um, and to have recognized that along the way is really, really powerful because now you're taking the steps to be able to unravel that. And it's interesting too, because like you growing up in a violent area, I did not grow up in a violent area at all. And yet we both still have that same belief of, Oh, I need to be secure. So it can come up in so many different ways, which is really, really interesting. Yeah. I feel like humans are so multifaceted and we have so many storylines and different ways of how we got there. Right. We can all feel very similar um, stories of lack, stories of hardship, stories of issues with security, but it could have been from a million different um, moments within our lives mm-hmm. where we had a tough moment or a violent altercation or a, um, a we didn't even feel safe with, you know, family members. Um, you know, it, raising, I have a, an eight-year-old daughter and I think about this stuff with her all the time because like I have absolutely ended certain cycles that she will never understand. But I also recognize that at some point in time, there's probably something that's been said, done, or will happen to her that's going to create a, a storyline within her that I'm not prepared for. And yeah. so I think once we get to that place of kind of deep understanding, one of the things I, I appreciate, you just, you've said twice now during the course of the interview, you've mentioned privilege. And I, I've read about this a lot. Like there's a lot of privilege when it comes to eating whole and healthy foods, when it comes to self-care, when it comes to access to all of these things. I was in Tanzania in um, in January and oh, it struck me, right? What we sometimes think of, oh, I wish I could have this. And these people, some of them just need shoes and access to, to clean water. Um, but these are all things that, you know, eating better and taking care of yourself, avoidance of disease and longer lives and healthier lifestyle. Um, and I know that you believe in, in giving people access. What things have you done um, through your own platform to help make some of these things more accessible? Yeah. So information, I think, is the most powerful thing that we can make accessible. Um, you know, not everyone coming back to realizing where everyone is at. So if you're working 10 to 12 hour days and exhausted at the end of your day, you may not have it in you to be able to go and volunteer. And that's okay. But if you are able to help spread information, if you know that, okay, this person that is a, you know, that is a podcaster that is sharing all of this information, sharing all of these charities, sharing all of these places in which I can at least spend my money and know that I am supporting companies and brands that are elevating the world versus keeping us in more of a capitalistic structure, Mm -hmm. then you're doing your job. So I think it's really important when we talk about um, ways in which we can give back that we meet ourselves where we're at. Because a lot of times I think people can get to a place where they feel that they aren't doing enough or their dollar doesn't count. I remember one time years ago, an environmental blogger or sustainable blogger went and spoke at a conference and said that our dollar actually doesn't really matter and you don't really actually make a difference as the single person. And it just blew my mind to hear that someone with a platform like that would actually be writing and speaking those things into existence. Because if we look at any movement within the wellness space, any movement within, um, you know, the food with, within FDA and just like the food and our food in general, organic didn't, organic started because someone had an idea 
that our food should have been better. And then that idea started to spread like wildfire. And so I think it comes down to first information. And that's why I really focus my platform on illuminating the voices that are changing the world. Um, You know, people like Lorea Gaston, the founder of Lunch on Me, is feeding tens of thousands of people every single month within LA's homeless community and is an incredible woman to support. I follow different people like Rachel Ricketts online who send out monthly emails that have monthly reparations to very well-researched brands and people that are doing incredible things within the um, people of color um, movement. And so I think it's for people that are listening that are in a space of privilege, which if you are listening to this, you are, it's finding those people that are leading the way and it's can be something as simple as DMing them and being like, hey, how can I help? Mm-hmm. And like eating a piece of humble pie and just being in that position of the student of like, how can I help? What is it that I can do to help with these things? Because they're angering me too. And I don't know what to do. And I think that that's a big thing that comes up with a lot of us is that we just don't know what to do. And I will be the first one to raise my hand and say, I don't know what to do. You know, I had uh, Mika Hollander on the podcast. She's the co-founder of Sustain um, to talk about women's rights and the women's health um, issues that are coming up right now, because I have no idea. I saw things on the news that angered me and I wanted to know more. And so I definitely think that going back to it, information is the way in which I have really used my platform to spread any messages that I believe in. Um, and then outside of that, as I mentioned before, like look for the charities, look for the brands that are doing good things and support them. You're like, we're, we're <laughs> I'm just so excited as you're talking <laughs> because this is so along the lines of why I'm doing what I'm doing. So in, in the past in my career in finance, um, I worked with um, ultra high net worth clients. And one of the things I did was help them align capitalism with heart. So we Mm -hmm. were on the front lines of social impact, right, which included gender lens investing, making sure that you're using consumer activism to support brands that have more than two women on the board, equal pay, they have uh, better OSHA violation or better OSHA standards. Um, Looking at climate change as an issue that affects not only the globe, but women specifically. Uh, it was it was just so important to me that people understood what we can do a dollar at a time, a voice at a time. And it's so when you mentioned that blogger who's like, oh, your dollar doesn't matter. I had a very similar situation where a very well-known um, author, blogger, uh, she's she's kind of considered you know kind of big up there in the new age woo woo world. She actually wrote a post about um, how none of this social impact investing actually works because of the the financial advisors that are involved. And I was just like, oh my god, that's just such a small viewpoint, not understanding the landscape of how dollars work in the markets and how if you invest in companies like. For instance, um, one of my big issues, and it has been for a lot of women-led um, advocacy, is um, how a lot of the products for women, like Tampax, Kotex, whatever, are not made with organic cotton. Mm-hmm. And there's specific links to not only toxic shock syndrome, but you have issues um, with cervical cancer, things along those lines. And it took groups of women and mom-and-pop shops to create these organic subscription box packages and I have watched 
Target now start to carry fully organic and finally Tampax comes out and says, not only are we going to match all of these mom and pop shops and Cora and Seventh Generation and all of those guys, and now we're going to create um, sanitary products and tampons that are fully organic core material, which is what everyone's asked for, no chlorine, no pesticide. But for every box you buy, we're going to help give tampons to girls who are missing school or sanitary products to girls who are missing school because they're having their periods in third world countries. That right there is consumer activism at its finest. And so for the person that says, hey, your dollar doesn't matter. Well, it does when you got a bunch of women who are suddenly buying subscription tampons because they are realizing that what's happening to their bodies is harmful to the environment. And now we have a huge fortune 500 brand who not only is doing the right thing as a good global corporate citizen but also now paying it forward for the girls who can't go to school because of their periods and they're probably doing that for pr they need everyone back to their brand but i'm okay with that because they've now just put dollars in the hands of women who need them um, and, and and better products in the hands of girls who just want an education. So I can get on. I've got a soapbox ready. <laughs> like if you, I love it. we can I pick love a topic it. and we can just go after it. <laughs> um, because I think for me, anytime you have a platform and any type of knowledge or understanding or even questions, like you said, there were things that were bothering me and I wanted to know more about them. And you can shed light on them and bring light to them in a way. Um, And also give people access, right? Because you can talk about it, but sometimes people don't know how to make change. And that's actually something that's very important to me and my platform. And I'm actually going to be doing some stuff in the next few months to actually give people tools. Like here are ways that you can kind of pay it forward so I love that I just like as you're talking I'm like I have ants in my pants I'm like oh my god (laughs) I love this one of the things I wanted to ask you about specifically um because I'm going to pivot a little bit um when I was in corporate America the chief investment officer of Merrill Lynch came and gave a speech to our advisors and I was expecting it to be all about the markets and she actually stopped and said ladies you don't know how to breathe and I was like what and she went through this breathing exercise with us and said, we have severe anxiety um, and no one knows how to breathe and I have to do these exercises and I want to share them with you before we get started. And I, it was just, it kind of totally blew my mind. And then um, not too long after, I had someone else who I was having on the podcast and she said, I really want to talk about breath work. And as I've become more, you know, deeply entrenched in the um, in the wellness world I understand some people aren't as comfortable with meditation but they can understand the idea of of truly understanding breath work and I was hoping because I know that that's something that you um that you do and that you teach if you could share with my audience kind of an introduction to like what is so important about understanding breath work what does it do for you and if you're nervous to walk into a yoga studio or to begin a a meditation practice is it a good first step Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so um, breath work, there are so many different styles of breath work, and I think that can be a little intimidating as we just don't really know where to start. Um, and, you know, sometimes it looks a little weird. I'm not going to lie. Um, if you've ever gone to a Bikram yoga class at the end mm-hmm. doing breath of fire, I remember the first time I was in there, I was like, what the hell are people <laughs> doing? Um, but ultimately, I love that the, was it the CEO of Merrill Lynch? CIO, the chief investment CIO. officer. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I love that she came in and did that because like I said, like the reason why I started 
writing and talking about all the things that I do in, in the wellness space is because I wish that I had them when I was in the corporate space. Mm. Um, and I really fully believe that if I did have them, I might actually still be there. Um, so if you look at a baby, if you look at your daughter when she was first born, we're breathing out of our belly. It's that rise and fall of the belly. If you look at an animal, it's a rise and fall of the belly while they're sleeping. And ultimately throughout our lives, through different experiences, um, trauma, the breath starts to shorten. And so for anyone that's listening right now, you know, if you're driving, maybe wait until later, but just notice for a second where your breath is coming in and out of. More often than not, because I do this exercise in class, I'll have everyone close their eyes and just put a palm on where they feel their breath originating from. 90% of the time, people will put a palm on their chest. Mm. And the issue with that is that we have three lobes of our lung. They go all the way down to the diaphragm. And the diaphragm is low in the belly. And so if you're only using about a third of the capacity of your lungs, you're actually shortening, shortening your lifespan and you're sending your body into a state of um, fight or flight. And as we all know, with fight or flight, that is creating stress in the body. Stress in the body leads to inflammation. Inflammation mm. leads to cancer, leads to um, autoimmune disease. It leads to all these different ailments. And so the breath is this really, really, really powerful tool that we can use in order to create better health in our body, to create better health in our minds. And that's why I've always kind of nerded out on breath work is that it's the one thing in our body that's voluntary or involuntary. You know, you don't have to think to breathe. It's going to happen. But you can also control your breath and change your life. Um, and so that's why I love breath work so much. And, you know, like I said, there's so many different styles of breath work for somebody that struggles with meditation or doesn't really know where to start with these more mindfulness practices, I would suggest focusing on your breath is a way in which you are, you know, practicing breath work, but also in a state of meditation as well. So my favorite beginner style to give everyone is equal ratio breathing. And for those of you that have listened to me on multiple podcasts, I'm sorry, but this one's the best. Mm -hmm. um, and I hope you're doing them or doing it. But equal ratio breathing is inhaling for an equal count as you exhale for. So maybe it's a four count, maybe it's a five count. Um, and when you're doing that, you're focusing on your breath, you're counting one, two, three, four, and then you're counting back again as you're exhaling. And so one, when you're counting one, two, three, four, and when you're focusing on your breath, you don't also have space to think thoughts. So you're already bringing your, yourself into that meditative state of focusing on your breath. In addition, your body is shifting from a state of fight or flight into a state of rest and digest. So you're engaging your parasympathetic nervous system. Um, when the parasympathetic nervous system is engaged, the body's able to digest. It's able to... Um, all the vital organs are able to work properly. Your mind is starting to slow down. So it's really, really powerful. And it's as simple as literally just counting up to four, counting down to four. And um, I think that we try to overcomplicate things, especially within this space right now in the wellness industry with so many cool new tools mm -hmm. out and apps and all these things. But I guarantee when you were younger and you, you're, you were freaking out or having some sort of, um, you know, 
hissy fit with your family or with your mom, your mom probably or your parent probably put you through a breathing exercise of just slowing down your breath. And what did that do? It calmed you down. So it's really, really simple practices. And I think that they're so accessible for anybody, whether you are at your desk and just had a crappy meeting with your coworkers or you're stuck in traffic on the 405 or wherever you are. Um, I live in LA, so that's the one place that I think of. Um, I don't like the with somebody. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's really powerful. That would be the one that I would suggest people start with if you've never tried breathwork before. And then, you know, if you want to try other styles, um, reach out to me, send me a DM on Instagram. I'm going to be creating more videos, um, or creating videos on YouTube and different channels that showcase different styles that you can do at home on your own. Um, I'm really all about taking the practices that are simple, that empower people to be able to feel confident doing them on their own versus having to invest in going on a retreat or going to a $30 workshop or something like that. Like what can we do that's easy and quick and efficient to do at home? That's really going to make the biggest difference because that's what people are going to stick with anyways. Yeah. And I agree with what you said about, all of the different tools that are out there in the world because they do become kind of overwhelming and you've got one camp that believes that it needs to be this type of yoga, that type of yoga, this type of meditation, that type of meditation. You know, you should breathe from here, do this, think that. And I think it can become overwhelming. Um, so I love the going back to basics and it's really interesting because like I noticed that when I was doing breath work exercise, I would do like the ujjayi breathing mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my gosh, I have a lot more lung capacity yeah. Then I realized like I can actually my count would become longer and it's true. You're not actually thinking thoughts, you're paying attention and suddenly getting into a very restful state. And that was when I was introduced to meditation was through that breathwork practice during a yoga class. And I was like, "Oh, I can yeah. do this." Yeah, Ujjayi is an amazing breathwork practice as well. Um and you know, it's funny because it's like people think, "Oh, that's just like yogic breathing," which it is, but it's that's that's breath work as well. So you're you're probably already doing it if you're a yogi. Um, often, again, we just want to overcomplicate things and mm-hmm. think that it's some like crazy breath work experience that you have to go to a workshop for, but you're likely already doing it. I love it. I love it. So I want to ask you something that I ask all of my guests. Um, based on your kind of your your experiences in life, if you were to look back at a younger version of yourself, what would she look like? What age would she be? And what would you want to tell her? Mm, okay, so I'm going to like, <laughs> I laugh because I, um, when I was in high school going through all of the things with my family and um, feeling really, really out of place, I turned to music festivals, I turned to drugs, I turned to drinking, I turned to partying. And I see myself the very first time that I went to a rave, I was wearing a black and purple tutu. My hair was in pigtails. I had face paint all over me. And I was walking around the Coliseum with fishnet tights. It was it was a vision for sure. <laughs> um, sh- poor girl. Um, so I, I see that version of Ava at, gosh, I think 17 years old. And for me, I just want to give her a hug and say everything is going to be okay. Mm. You, you might feel lost now, but everything will be figured out and it's all, yeah, it's all, it's all happening for you. Um, I think that's the hardest thing for us is that we get into these different life events and trauma and we have this not, I don't want to say victim mentality because there are some times when, you know, we can't control what's going on. I, I couldn't control what happened in my life at that point, but 
to know that all of those events and all of the events now that are happening are all happening for this greater purpose, this greater plan to continue to push me into the direction to know that like the things that are happening, whether they are bad or good for, are for me to be able to come on a podcast years down the road and tell my story and give back to those people that may be in that spot. Mm -hmm. If I knew that then, I think I would be a whole lot happier. So I think that's what I would have to say to myself. Long-winded, but. No, I love it. And I think anytime you can give it um, texture, right? And I think that's the one thing that I really appreciate when people answer this question. They almost become very nurturing to their younger self. Rather than being like, girl, get it together. It's like, I want to give her a hug and be like, it's okay. There's this really beautiful exchange that happens. I've never heard anyone like give the tough love to their younger self. Um which I think is a really – it says something about who we are. If we could just speak to ourselves today the way we speak to our younger selves, I think we would be a lot um, a lot healthier as a society. <laughs> uh, agreed. <yes. laughs> if you were to be leaving this earth and you wanted to leave behind a gold nugget or two of wisdom and inspiration, things that you'd want the next gen, the world behind you to know, what would it be? You are constantly creating the world around you. So create mindfully and create intentionally and approach every single relationship with grace, with compassion and with empathy and everything will turn out exactly as it is supposed to. Beautiful. I think yeah. that's really that's really gorgeous because we don't give ourselves credit for our own <laughs> How we are creating all the time. A lot of times we think things happen to us and we don't realize that we are the creator of. So beautiful. I want to thank you so much for coming onto my podcast, sharing your gold. I have absolutely adored love, like talking to you. I feel like we could start some kind of march or movement, like <laughs> just right. based on this conversation. <laughs> but thank you so much for sharing your gold with, with everyone. And I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me today. I love Ava's encouragement to create mindfully and intentionally and to approach every relationship with grace, compassion, and empathy. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. I'm always interested in content that uplifts, so if you have things you'd like to hear about, please share them with me in the comments. You can find me on Instagram at ms.jeanetteschneider or Twitter at msjwrites. If you want some help moving toward that intentional life, join me every week on my intention journey. I'm inviting you totally free from my heart to your inbox. Sign up for my girl tribe at JeanetteSchneider.com. Before you even wake up on Monday mornings, there will be a huge dose of motivation waiting for you. Yes, I will wake you up on Monday morning with intention setting prompts and give you some tips as to what's setting my soul on fire. On Fridays, I'm going to remind you to let go, recharge, and love yourself up with some self-care prompts to get present in your downtime. Intentional living is where it's at, y'all. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day.